Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Many of you know that I am constantly testing different health tools to see what works and what doesn't. And one of my new favorite supplements is Carbon 60 or C60. It's a super antioxidant that lifts the oxidative burden at the cellular level. It basically acts like a free radical sponge that helps your body heal itself. And it does that by optimizing the efficiency of your mitochondria. And by making your mitochondria stronger, more resilient to stress, C60 helps you promote longevity, fight inflammation, boost immune function, supports healthy aging, healthy joints, and it increases your energy and mental clarity naturally. My favorite brand is C60 Purple Power because it offers 99.99% pure sublimated carbon 60 that's never been exposed to solvents, and it's delivered in 100% certified organic oils. They have it coming in avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, MCT coconut oil, and they also have it in different flavors like cinnamon and orange. And I will tell you guys that most users notice an increase in energy and mental clarity after 30 days of use. I know that was the case for me. That literally, I mean, within about two weeks, I, I immediately noticed energy. I noticed better mental clarity. Uh, I just noticed that I was recovering from my workouts better. I was less sore and I had more energy for my workout the next day. That's what I'm all about. I'm about biohacking. I'm about optimizing my performance. And I found that C60 Purple Power really delivers when it comes to helping enhance my energy, my mental clarity, um, helping me recover from my workouts and be the best that I can be. Basically, all I do is I take a teaspoon a day. A lot of people like to add it into you know, a morning coffee or anything like that. I typically took it with my lunch and I was noticing results. Guys, if you want to check out the C60 Purple Power, I've got a special discount coupon. It's Jockers. Just use my last name, Jockers. And you can go to shopc60.com forward slash Jockers or www.shopc60.com forward slash Jockers. Use the coupon code Jockers at checkout to save 15% off today. You guys are going to love the C60 Purple Power. So this interview is a part of a series I did called the Fasting Transformation Summit. 
And in this summit, I interviewed the top experts in the world when it comes to intermittent and extended fasting and autophagy and self-healing. Now, these interviews were originally done in 2019, but the information is extremely relevant today. And this expert, as you will see, really has a great knowledge of this topic and will give you guys so much value. Now, if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review, your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives with this podcast. And take a moment and subscribe to our channel. That way you get instant notification every time we put up a new podcast. Thanks so much for doing that. And I'm honored to share this information with you guys. Well, welcome everybody to the Fasting Transformation Summit, where we are uncovering the most ancient, inexpensive, and powerful healing strategy known to mankind. We're talking about fasting. I'm your host, Dr. David Jockers, and today we're going to really go into what a lot of people think is a controversial topic, and it's fasting for women. If you go on the internet, there's a lot of people that will say, hey, fasting may be effective for men, but it's going to be really, really challenging for women and really challenging for female hormones. And, you know, this, this is something that we really need to discuss and we need to go into detail on because fasting can be an incredible therapeutic tool for women, but also at the same time, there are a lot of things that may end up causing an increased amount of challenges for the female body as they go into a fasting period. And so in order to cover this topic in detail, I brought on one of the top experts in this topic. This is Dr. Michelle Sands. And she is the number one natural physician for high-achieving moms who wish to optimize their health, wealth, and happiness. She runs MetabolicMama.com, and she's got some great programs, 21-Day Metabolic Rehab Program and the GLOW Protocol. And so, Michelle, welcome to the Fasting Transformation Summit. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to speak on this topic, and I just think it, it is so controversial, and it's so easy for, for women to feel like it's not an option for them. So I'm so glad that you're talking about this. Yeah, for sure. And I know we had spoken at a conference and you were telling me about your experience with fasting and it really intrigued me. And I wanted to uh, bring you on, on the summit so you can share this. And let's start by just talking about how you got into natural health and in particular, how you started doing health coaching with high achieving mothers. Yeah, so it's, you know, most of us have a, a reason, like underlying reason why we do what we do, and a lot of us have a story that's attached to it, and I, I grew up in a family that really didn't understand what health was, no really anything about nutrition, and so my, we lived in an Italian family in New York, so we were on the 3P diet, basically, pizza, pasta, and pastries, that was just what we ate. Um, pretty much every meal had like seven different types of carbs. So you had bread and pasta and pizza. And there's always something, rarely any fresh fruits or vegetables. But my mom was just feeding us. She was just doing what she had been taught and what she knew. And so I kind of grew up being a little bit chubby. Um, after I ate, I'd look around at my family. And my dad went on buckle his belt and usually go take a nap. And so I just said, oh, okay, everyone kind of feels a little bit crappy after they eat. So it's pretty normal, right? That's just what I just learned by watching everybody else that, you know, people weren't sleeping well, skin problems, anxiety, depression was all pretty common in my family. And so I, I, that was just my, my frame of reference was that that's just how people were supposed to feel. But as I got into, you know, junior high and I started wanting to fit in with the other girls, I was always, like I said, I was a little chubby. I had acne issues. I always had digestive problems. And so I, the only thing I could think to do was join the track team. 
no, I was not athletic at all, but I was like, I'm going to have to run so I can lose some weight so I can get someone to take me to the dance, basically. So I joined the track team, and my track coach was, she was so different than my family because she was, like, upbeat and happy, and she was athletic, and she was really positive. And so she kind of saw what I was trying to do, and she took me under her wing. She started teaching me about nutrition, basically about if you eat fruits and vegetables, it kind of fuels your body and you'll feel better. And she talked to me about sleep and exercise. And so I started doing anything in my power that I could to try to make a little bit of change despite my circumstances. So I would go to school with my lunch and my mom would pack me this amazing like dream lunch for most kids. It would be a can of soda. It would be um, a bag of Doritos, a hostess snack cake, um, usually some type of little candy bar and then a bologna sandwich, right? So that was kind of like the the downer of the lunch, but I would actually trade that out to the other kids. So I would get like carrots and celery for my Doritos. I'd get an apple or an orange for my little hostess snack cake. I'd usually get milk or juice for my soda. And then I just tossed the bologna sandwich because nobody really wanted that anyway. But that was, that was really kind of how I kind of started getting into like learning about health. And I was able to start running a little faster. I did lose a little bit of weight. I still had to navigate around my mom at home, like feeding me the crap. But it was my little way of getting to change, make a change in my health. And so I actually started getting good at track. And so I got a track scholarship to college, which was really the only way I was going to go to college. And it was the second year on the track team. Every year at the beginning of the season, we basically had to um, go for a physical. So they checked our pulse and our height and our weight and all these things. And while I was in my physical, I just started breaking down for the little the nurse's assistant. It was a guy. And I just started crying to him about my periods were hurting and I had digestive issues and all these things that I was just blurting out. It was just like I was just outlining everything that I, had been bothering me because I was doing, I was running on track team and I was getting really good grades. So from the outside in, it looked like I had it all going on, but I was really living on uh, ibuprofen. I would get up in the morning, I would take five or six ibuprofen just so that I can like get up and function. And then I wouldn't eat until after my afternoon track practice. So I wouldn't eat until like three or 4 PM because if I ate, I'd end up having digestive issues. I'd end up either pooping my pants or not being able to run. And so I, this is kind of the lifestyle that I got myself into. And then I have to take more Advil after I ran. Um, I had to take something to help me fall asleep at night. I had to take something to help me wake up in the morning. And I had Tums, like I had the Costco size Tums on my dresser in my dorm because I would just have to eat that every time I tried to eat anything basically. So I, I'm telling all this to the physician's assistant and he's just looking at me like, I'm just here to take your blood, your pulse. Like I don't deal with this kind of stuff, but I was like crying like pretty uncontrollably and making a pretty big scene in there that they got the nurses over and they brought me to the side and they talked to me for a little bit and they, they talked me into going to see the doctor at the clinic the next day. So I went, they did a bunch of tests, they did my blood tests, and they asked me a bunch of questions. And they said, come back in a couple of days, we'll have the results. So when I went back in a couple of days, they basically told me, okay, um, it's not gonna be in the cards for you to have children, so I hope that's not something that you wanna do. Because they told me that my ovaries had failed, that I basically mm -hmm. was not producing any eggs, even though I was having periods. And they, it's, it's kind of all these things, they didn't give me any answers, they didn't like, give me any way to fix it, because I was kind of like a logical person, I was like science, and I was always asking for the solution, I'm like, what's the solution? And they said, antidepressants, IBS medication, and just be on the birth control pill for the rest of my life. So that was my solution.
And I, it just kind of crushed me, even though I was only 20 years old and I wasn't planning to start a family right then. I knew from the time I was little, when I got my first little baby doll, that I wanted to be a mom. And so yeah. that news just really crushed me. And I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my friends. I just kind of sulked about it. I just kind of sat in my dorm for a few days. I didn't go to classes. I didn't do anything. And I just... And it just really, I just felt broken. Like I wasn't a woman. I like, I couldn't do something that every other woman wanted to do or every other woman could do. And so it just, it really, it really kind of broke me. And then every day, every year at Mother's Day, like the whole week before you'd see all those like little commercials about like the relationship between kids and their mom. And you see all the pictures of the moms and their families. And, and that would, I have to stay away from everything from media and from going out that whole week for like three years in a row because mm. it just, I couldn't handle it. And so it was like the third year after Mother's Day, I decided, you know what, like I'm pretty good at solving problems. So why can I not solve this problem? So even though I was in the marketing department at school, I went over to the health department and the science department and I started talking to all the professors and I started asking them like, have they heard of this? Is there any way you can come back from this? Like what's going on with me? And some of the doctors had some advice, like some hormone therapies that I can do. And some of the professors were talking about Eastern medicine and energy medicine and uh, meditation and all these things. So for the next two or three years, I did all the things. I did biofeedback therapy. I did meditation. I did hormone therapy. I did pellets. I, I did everything. And I took one step forward and two steps back. Like I started to feel a little better, but I never really got better. And so I, then I decided to enroll in naturopathic medical school and, and figure it out myself. And so I went back to school and it took me a long time because I was really, I was focusing on my hormones because I had a hormone problem. And so I was just trying to figure out all the things about hormones. I was really disregarding everything else about the body. But in medical school, I was forced to kind of learn about the whole body. And I started learning about how your gut and immune system are connected to your hormones and how your detoxification system is connected to your hormones and all of these things. And so doing a bunch of tests on myself because I had access to testing now, um, I was doing every test I could on myself. And I actually found out that I had celiac disease. And you know, here's a person who grew up all her life eating gluten. And back in when I was born in the 70s, like no one knew what celiac disease was. Even when I was in school, it wasn't something that you can really just Google and no one really talked about it. So I still wasn't even sure how this affected my hormones, but I knew that that was something that was a problem. So I started removing the gluten. And then I also found out I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So that was also connected a little bit to the gluten as well. So I started going on a paleo style autoimmune diet. It wasn't really called paleo back then. It was just an anti-inflammatory diet. Yeah. But now coming to like understand, looking back, oh, I was eating paleo. And so I started doing that. And then um, later I also found out I had heavy metal toxicity from all my mercury fillings. And so all these things were kind of snowballing to cause these imbalances in my body that ended up really messing with my hormones. And so through it all, I kind of just forgot about working on my hormones so I kind of said okay my hormones are not going to fix I'm going to fix all these other things so I can start having better digestion I can start sleeping better I can start having clearer skin and all these things were starting to come together and then I met my husband and we just kind of talked about like he knew I couldn't have children but we talked about like let's just try because you're actually starting to feel better your periods are getting more normal 
maybe you can't you can have children. So we only tried three times, and then my son was born, or my son was conceived, and you know I have a three-year-old son now. No IVF, no interventions whatsoever. Only like healing my body and then healing my hormones as a result. Yeah, that's amazing. It actually reminds me a lot of my wife's story too, because she was diagnosed with endometriosis and told she would have a lot of trouble having having a child. And, uh, you know, when I met her, I started her on a detox program and um, just helping stabilize your blood sugar and a lot of the strategies I'm sure that you use and that I've talked about a little bit in the, in the summit. And, um, you know, we got married and we were, she actually conceived six, it was about six weeks after we got married. So now we have actually three kids. <laughs> um, and so, yes, yeah, definitely possible that this infertility epidemic that we have, it's definitely possible to overcome it. You're a living proof of that. My wife is as well. Yeah. And, and you know, it's really any problem too. It's not like for me, it was infertility, but I have so many clients and patients I work with yeah. where it's diabetes, you're going to be on diabetes medication mm. the rest of your life, or it's thyroid issues, or it's autoimmunity. All these things like, you know, conventional medicine, they're doing their best. I have a lot of great friends that are conventional medicine doctors and, yeah. and they, they get into it for the same reason I got into it because they want to help people, but their tools are really drugs and surgery. So you know, a lot of times you're given a drug and that is, that's the end of it. That's the treatment when drugs are really, they're essential sometimes to help people get to the point where they can heal, but they're not the actual healing. And so a lot of times we're, we're leaving out the, the important part of healing the body. And we're just looking at those medications as the end game. And, and you know, if I would have stuck, stuck with the medications as my end game, I wouldn't have my son now. And I probably wouldn't have my practice because I didn't have the mental capacity and the physical energy to even you know, do what I do today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you went, you went deep and you got to the root cause of the problem and were able to correct and stabilize it. And now, you know, at this point, you really specialize in helping women, particularly high achieving, busy moms. And how did you kind of move your practice towards that? Like, why did you specialize in that? Yeah, so, you know, honestly, well, at first, you know, I, my practice is virtual now, and, and that was really out of necessity because I wanted to be home with my son. And so, you know, I, I got, got through medical school, and I had my son, and then I thought, well, am I going to practice medicine, or am I going to stay home and be a mom? And, you know, I looked at some of the other doctors that I, that I kind of befriended, and I, I followed online, and some people were doing it online, so I was like, okay. You know, so that's how I got to the online part, was I just, I wanted to be, have the lifestyle and the location independence to do that, but I'm a high-achieving woman. Like, I am someone who um, knows what I want, and I'm going to go after it, and I just needed the tools, and so I work with a lot of women that are very much like myself, because I like working with women that I like to hang out with, and I like to um, you know, I'm, I'm on the same page or speaking the same language. And so I can more effectively help those women, but they're also the most fun to work with because they, they only need a little bit of help. They need a little bit of support and they need some tools and then they could take it the rest of the way. And so that's really why I like working with those women because they, they have phenomenal results. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you speak the same language because you're living, the, you know, that lifestyle. You're in, you're in the trenches. I know having three kids, it's like, you know, every day is, is a challenge for my wife, especially I have three kids under three right now. It's a challenge. I'm like, I'm listening to them actually throwing a temper tantrum upstairs while I'm doing this interview, right? Well, my heart goes out to you. <laughs> both of my twin boys throwing a temper tantrum upstairs while I'm doing this interview. So it's like, you know, I know you've got, you've got a son. And so it's, 
it's one of those things where you you can speak the language. You know the stressors that moms are under. Like I totally, when I was single, you know, first seven years of of seeing patients, I I could not relate with moms or or dads of kids because I didn't have any kids. You know, and so I totally I totally feel you. I used to yeah. wonder why they were canceling appointments. I'm like, you can't keep an appointment. Right. Like get it together. And then now I have a three-year-old and I'm like, oh, I got to cancel the appointment, right? So now I know that like flexibility Absolutely. is so important. It's yeah. so crazy, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, super key. And so let's let's jump into our topic, you know, because we talked about fasting for women. It's a controversial topic. Why do you think that is? And what should people know when it yeah, comes so to fasting? Fasting is very controversial. And if you Google fasting for women, I actually did this, this recently, I Google fasting for women, and I got a lot of the dangers of fasting for women. And there are, most of the studies that are done on fasting are done on men. And a lot of the benefits of fasting are benefits that we see in men. However, in women, the, the studies are, de- are more geared toward the dangers of fasting. And there's a particular study that's referenced over and over again, it's a rat study. And in the rat study, they, the rats were divided into two different groups and they were female rats. And so the one group of rats were able to eat whenever they wanted. And then the second group of rats were only allowed to eat every other day. So they would fast for a whole day and they would then they would eat as they wanted for the next day. And they did this for two weeks. Now, the important thing to note is that when a rat is fasting for 24 hours, that is equal in rat time to a week. So this is not translating properly to women fasting for 24 hours. This would be like women fasting for a week and then doing this every other week for seven weeks. That's a lot of fasting. And to that, that can be damaging for most women um, and even for men hormonally and and just nutritionally. So the the study, what it shows is that when this happens, because women... Women are more sensitive to the hunger hormones. So when we fast, our body will, our brain will say, oh my gosh, there's no food coming in. So it'll actually send um, messages to our body using leptin and ghrelin, which are our hunger hormones, to tell us to eat. That's our body's survival system, right? So we all have that built in. Women are a little bit more sensitive to those hormones. And this is just because women carry babies. And so it's our evolutionary way of protecting the fetus. And whether or not you're pregnant, as a woman, we're gonna have this higher um, sensitivity to these hunger hormones. And so that's one reason why women have a harder time with fasting long-term than men do. Now, when this fasting goes on, these hunger hormones can inhibit the message from the brain to the ovaries to, to ovulate. So sometimes if the fasting is extended for too long, then it can decrease fertility, it can shrink the ovaries, it can cause some issues with luteinizing hormone, follicular stimulating hormone, all the things that are important for creating a baby. However, if you're not fasting for weeks at a time, if you're doing intermittent fasting or 24-hour fasting or even a five-day block fast once every quarter or once a month while you're trying to improve your health, then that is perfectly safe. And it's actually very beneficial, especially in my practice. I work with a lot of women who are 
over 35, so perimenopausal, menopausal, and also some women with PCOS and women who are trying to get pregnant. So the women with PCOS, women with um, insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes, um, women who are in perimenopausal and menopausal, because as we get older as women, we lose our insulin sensitivity, so we become um, less, we become more um, uh, prone to diabetes, prone to insulin resistance. So these populations really benefit from the fasting as opposed to the negative effects of fasting. And you know, it's, and then when we talk about fasting too, I think it's really important to note that I really don't feel that what most people consider intermittent fasting, um, like stopping eating at 7 p.m. and then eating at 7 p.m., that to me is not fasting. That's not a strategy or dietary strategy. That's just being a human. Um, we're not meant to be eating 24 hours. We're not meant to be eating at midnight and then again at 6 in the morning. That's really detrimental to our health. You know, as humans, we evolve to have times of feast and times of famine. So we're t meant to eat at periods of time, and then we're meant to not eat as well at periods of time. So just normal human life should have some component of what we now call intermittent fasting in there. However, um, so that should be just normal. Everybody should do it, whether you're looking to get pregnant, not looking to get pregnant, man, woman, old, young. Everybody should have a time period where they don't eat, right? So that's just a given. However, if you're looking to improve um, human growth hormone, which is our youth hormone, um, the hormone that helps us build muscle, burn fat, um, build bone, help us um, with our skin and our hair and our nails, stay youthful. If you're looking to increase that, fasting for um, even just five days can double that human growth hormone. So that's like one little hack that people can do that's free. You don't have to go get injections at the anti-aging clinic and spend $2,000 a month. You don't have to take a bunch of amino acids or even go underground like a lot of bodybuilders do and, and do it illegally. You can just fast and you're gonna double that. Also, you know, if you're dealing with diabetes, prediabetes, that's gonna benefit from doing a more extended fast. So maybe instead of a 12 hour fast, going for a 16 hour fast, like skipping breakfast, or a 24 hour fast where, that sounds scary, but most people don't think about a 24 hour fast as you eat dinner and then you don't eat again until dinner the next day. So it's not really, you're not really going a whole day without fasting, but it's so effective for your insulin sensitivity, your human growth hormone, and just your overall digestive GI. And when you don't eat, if you think about, I think about fasting as like when the road, the highway needs repair. So there's a lot of potholes on the freeway and they can't ever repair those potholes if the cars keep going through. So they have to block it off, stop the traffic, and then they can repair it. Well, it's the same thing with your, your intestines, your, your microbiome. It can't restore and repair itself if you have leaky gut or you have infections in your gut. You can't really repair those if you're constantly sending food through it. So you kind of have to stop. Let your body, your body has an amazing regeneration, repair, renewal system, but it needs to be able to do it. So if you just stop eating for a period of time, let your body do its thing, you're actually going to recreate different bacteria are going to grow, you're going to have a repopulation of your microbiome, and you're going to be able to heal and, and really restore and regenerate. Yeah, it's really great information, Rochelle. And, and you know, there's a 2007 study that talks about when they fasted women for uh, for 24 hours, showed a 1,200% increase in human growth hormone, right? Yeah. So just gigantic. Yeah, that's uh, huge. Yeah, huge. It's huge, huge change. And that's going to help the body build lean body tissue, burn fat, build stronger bones, 
help support the immune system, reduce inflammation. So a lot of great benefits to that. Now let's talk about female hormones in particular, and especially let's, let's talk about like a woman who's having a menstrual cycle and how could fasting impact that? And let's say the positives and the negatives of that. Yeah, so this is something that I actually have been using myself and in my practice is women who have a lot of cramping, like a lot of PMS mm-hmm. and difficult, heavy bleeding, periods that just kind of suck, like periods that make you want to have to stay home from work because it's just taking over your life. Fasting the week before or the two weeks before your period will actually reduce prolactin. Um, So prolactin, that's an important hormone for women who are lactating, breastfeeding, that helps you produce breast milk, but it also increased prolactin levels, also increase inflammation, and can increase cramping and the pain that you experience with your period. Now, when you fast ahead of your cycle, like in the week or two weeks before, you don't have to fast every day, but if you do some intermittent fasting or maybe a 24-hour fast, even a two or three-day fast in there. Uh, when I'm talking about this, if you've never fasted before, start with a 16-hour fast and, and do that for a few weeks. Maybe do it one day a week, then add it in for a couple days. Then you can work up to a 24-hour. So you never have to jump right in. Like yeah. anything you do is going to be an improvement. So I don't want to scare anybody when I say a three-day fast. Like you're definitely going to like start in your own. If you're a person that eats in the middle of the night, just start not stop. Start by not eating at night, and then you're going to gradually just increase till you're with your comfort zone and until you get the results that you need. But doing some fasting within that week or two before is really exceptional for reducing the prolactin levels and also just improving the how you feel during the week that you're bleeding, and then also the week before, just like the the. The um, cravings and the irritability, it all kind of reduces, which is really amazing. And then for people who have regular irregular periods, sometimes it's related to PCOS or endometriosis or another issue. This can, fasting can actually really help the body to recalibrate and, and get those cycles back in order. However, if someone's on the thin side, if someone's um, going towards a more malnourished state, um, someone who has any history of anorexia, bulimia, then fasting can actually stop their period. So it can actually be the opposite effect. So it really has to be individualized for the person and, and really look at the rest of what's going on with their health. But it can be very beneficial for um, improving the length and the flow and the, just how you feel during your period and, and with the premenstrual syndrome as well. Hey, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about Perfect Keto Cereal. If you're like me, you grew up eating cereal, but you stopped eating it because you knew the ingredients were driving up massive inflammation in your body, but you still miss it. You still wish you could have that good, sweet crunch. And that is why I wanted to tell you about Perfect Keto Cereal, which is a grain-free keto-friendly cereal with ingredients you can actually trust. It is a treat reminiscent of your childhood with a satisfying crunch and value-added ingredients like collagen and MCTs. I love the cinnamon and the honey nut flavor. And again, it is grain-free. No wheat, no oats, no rice, no corn, no, you know, nothing that's going to spike your blood sugar. In fact, it only has one to two grams of net carbs, nine grams of protein and five grams of fat. You know, an equal amount of traditional cereal can have up to 25, 30, even 40 grams of net carbs in one serving, 
with barely any protein, fat, or dietary fiber. That is just going to massively blast your blood sugar, but not perfect keto. Again, one to two grams of net carbs, nine grams of protein, and five grams of fat. And you know what kind of protein they have? They have collagen protein that they've added in there along with MCTs. The collagen helps support your joints. It helps support your skin, your hair, your nails, and helps to heal and seal your gut lining. The MCTs turn into ketones in your bloodstream, which balances your blood sugar and stabilizes your insulin levels. You guys are going to love this cereal. You can check it out at perfectketo.com forward slash DRJ and use the coupon code JOCKERS for 20% off your first order. Again, that's perfectketo.com forward slash DRJ and use the coupon code JOCKERS for 20% off your first order. Check it out today. Well, that's really, really good to know. I mean, I didn't even know that about humanizing hormone. And so, uh, so I think that's, um, that's fantastic information. And yeah, I, you know, we've been saying this throughout the summit. If you have a history of an eating disorder, you know, definitely don't try to do an extreme fast or anything like that. And great place to start is 12 hours between your last meal and your first meal. Kind of like what you were saying. It's like just being human, like, stop, you know, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., something along those lines. It's a really great place to start. It's a really safe place for most people. And then, you know, again, if, if, if you don't have an issue with an eating disorder, starting to extend that to maybe a 16 hour fast and trying that once, twice, maybe even three times a week, right? And that could be a, a ne- kind of the next step up for you. And, uh, and like you were saying that doing that about a week before, um, menstruation can have this really powerful effect at reducing a lot of these unwanted symptoms. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Pretty amazing. And then also another thing that we've seen in our practice, we use both uh, just regular fasting and also the fasting mimicking diet, which is, um, it's, it's just a, a small amount of food that is designed to fly under the radar of your body so that it thinks you're fasting. So it's just a, another, you may have said somebody could talk about that on the summit, yeah. but um, it's a, it's a prepackaged um called Prolon, and it's prepackaged, made by, it's studied on many clinical trials that the certain makeup of the food is flying below the radar. So I've had some women who have done that for five days. It's a five-day, very low-calorie or fasting mimicking diet. And then I've also had women who have done just regular water fasting for three to five days. And in that population of women, we've seen a reduction in thyroid antibodies as well. And... um, I don't really have a study to, to explain why, but what we've noticed is improvement in gut health and the gut microbiome. So we really think that it is contributing to reduction of leaky gut and, and those antibodies not getting through. So um, that's been really effective as well. Yeah, really, really powerful. I mean, we know that fasting, you're going to increase your ketones, mm-hmm. right? And that's going to start to reduce the inflammasome, this genetic pathway of, of inflammation that can play a big role with what's going on there with, uh, with the antibodies as well. So yeah, great, great way. And I really, the, the most powerful nutritional strategy to reduce inflammation is fasting. But again, you know, if, if you haven't fasted before and you jump into a, you know, an extended fast, it's kind of like running a marathon when you haven't, you've never trained before. It can be a little, little too much for you, uh, to start. So you kind of want to, graduate your way in and, and the fasting mimicking diet is one way to do that where you're still consuming food but that food's not impacting your insulin levels um and so therefore and it's, and it's calorie restricted so uh so therefore and it's also actually low protein so it's um 
that's an important part. Show me your pathways, your mTOR uh, pathway as well, and that's going to have a powerful anti-inflammatory effect. And so, yeah, so you have experience working with women with that, and you see good results with that. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to sell. If I see yeah. someone who has insulin resistance or they're dealing with, you know, issues with, um, their, their periods or even menopausal symptoms, a lot of times, um, it's hard to get them to just not eat for five days, right? It's, that's a real hard sell for me. But if I give them this nice prepackaged, here's, and you actually get, you get three meals. So you get a, you get a bar for breakfast, you get two soups, you get some snacks. So it's not, not too bad. Um, so it, people can actually stay with it. It's really empowering. Um, even for people who have some addictive um, personalities around food, um, people who are emotional eating and binge eating, this is a little bit of a reset to empower them to see yeah. that they're not, that's not the control of them, they're not controlled by the food. Um, so there's so many benefits really to this. And like you said, this is, that's one way to do it to ease into fasting, but also mm -hmm. doing a ketogenic diet. Like I know you have a couple of ketogenic mm -hmm. programs. That is a great way to actually prep your body to go into yeah. a fast. And we've seen some great results with that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So going back to, to the female menstrual cycle, you're saying one of the best times to fast would be about a week before menstruation because it affects your prolactin levels, which is going to help reduce unwanted symptoms. Now, how about actually during the menstrual cycle? Is that a good time, not a good time? What have you seen with that? You know, it, it really, that's really individualized because some women have just a harder time yeah. with fasting during the menstrual cycle because, and even sometimes a couple days before as well, um, you have to kind of know yourself. If you know that you always crave food and you have a higher um, need to eat during those times, and that's probably, especially if you're a beginner, that's probably not the best time to start mm -hmm. fasting. Um, for myself, because I have fasted quite a bit, um, I, it doesn't matter for me. I can fast during my period and it's perfectly fine. But um, for most women, that is just a more, not because it's bad for you, it's just more challenging to actually yeah. stay compliant with it. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I've heard from a lot of women that they have not, obviously not everybody, like you were saying, but a lot of women have more cravings during that period of time. And it, to me, it makes sense. You're losing blood, right? So you're yeah. losing exactly. a lot of vital nutrients when you're losing yeah. blood. So uh, you may need more, right? And uh, and so exactly. And I, you know, I believe that like there's seasons of, of our life and seasons of our cycle, and and that is a time where you want to be more um, restorative. So you want to yeah. be more nourishing to your body. You want to allow for more rest and recovery yeah. and recuperation. And, and so you know, being really in tune with, with your, what your body needs mm. is another important strategy for just optimizing your health and knowing your body, listening to your yeah. body. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and a big thing that I've recommended for female clients is bone broth during the cycle because, you know, it's like we make our, our red blood cells in our bone marrow. And so for getting all those supportive nutrients from the bone marrow, not only is it good for the gut, um, but it does provide some calories to help stabilize our blood sugar and it provides some really key nutrients that we need in order to produce, produce blood cells, right? So I've seen a lot of people do well with you know, instead of just doing a, a full intermittent fast for 16 hours where they do, instead they do like 16 ounces of bone broth in the morning and then eat, you know, two to three meals between, you know, an eight hour eating window or something like that outside of that. So have you experimented yeah. with that? Yeah. And there's, there's plenty of ways to play with it. There, I know there's a lot of like people online that will like say you're not fasting right or you're not doing your, yeah. it really depends on your goals. Like if your yeah. goals are, you know, increasing your insulin sensitivity, maybe losing a little weight, having more energy, 
regulating your sleep, then yeah, adding in some bone broth, having some teas, doing it like that is going to make it a lot easier. It's going to be uh, more nourishing for your body and it's not going to be such a shock. But if you're looking yeah. for a, like stem cell regeneration, those types mm -hmm. of things that come with really a, a strict water fast or the fasting mimicking diet specifically, um, that's going to be, you're not going to get those same benefits, all the benefits, but you're going to get a lot of benefits yeah. from doing bone broth. So yeah, it really depends on your goals and what you need. So if you're working with someone, just make sure you explain what your outcomes that you want are and they'll be able to guide you from the, the right way to fast for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the goal is always to help people have a good experience with it, right? So they, so they can come back to it and use this as a regular tool in their tool belt and not have this terrible experience where they swear off of it for the rest of their life, right? And so I know you've had some good experiences you were sharing with me uh, about fasting. And so let's talk about that. Yeah, so, um, well, one of, I actually started kind of down this journey when I was doing um, iron down triathlons and, and long distance running. And I always had, even though I had healed a lot of my digest, digestive problems, if I ate those, you know, like the runners, I like, have like those goo packets and all this like fake mm -hmm. sugar-laden crappy energy stuff. Whenever I would use those on a run, I'd have digestive issues. So I was trying to find a way that I can get through a hundred mile run without having to refuel as much. So I started doing the ketogenic diet for um, three months before my hundred mile race around Lake Tahoe. And my goal was that I would just use some fats during the race to fuel myself so that I wouldn't have those digestive issues. So I primed my body for three months, strict ketogenic diet. But what happened was I noticed that I wasn't as hungry all the time. So I would forget often to eat dinner or I'd forget to eat like breakfast and lunch while I was doing the ketogenic diet. So I, I realized kind of by default I was doing fasting. So this kind of intrigued me. I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm doing fasting. And my joint pain that I had when I ran totally started diminishing mm -hmm. when I was doing the fasting and the ketogenic diet. So I was doing both. And I actually did the race. I only fueled on some nuts and some coconut oil and a couple things like that. So I was able to get through the entire race. And then after that, I decided I was going to try to start investigating fasting. So I started with a five-day fast. And I ended up doing it a couple weeks before my menstrual cycle. And what I noticed was... I didn't have, it wasn't as heavy. I didn't have the like, cramping. I didn't have the breast tenderness that I did before. And so I was like, oh, I think I'm on to something. So I would skip a couple of months and I would do it again, notice the same effects. And when I started doing it with some of my clients, they noticed the same effects. So this is really cool. Um, another strategy I use fasting for oftentimes is when I'm traveling. So if I, a lot of times if you're traveling, you just don't have good choices for what to eat, especially if you're at an airport, you're at a conference. And so I actually use fasting. I will purposely fast during those times so I don't have to make the bad choices. And so it's just another tool that I use to, because I know that my body doesn't need to be fueled. And so that way I can actually keep my cleaner diet while I'm in the airport or traveling to places where I don't have much control over what is served. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like anytime I travel, I'm always fasting. Right. I really don't ever bring snacks. I, I just get to wherever I'm going, and then I'm usually stopping at Whole Foods or a place like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. A lot of times people just feel, you know, they, they have to eat, right? Yeah. So you have to make a bad choice. And you actually you don't have to eat. You can yeah. go a day or half a day. You're not going to die. And you actually notice that you become more efficient. 
and yeah. your, your brain actually works better. And, you know, you probably have people talking about the mental benefits right. of fasting on the summit. And it is very, very true. You can actually focus so much better because your brain actually has more energy. It takes a lot of energy to digest food. Um, yes. It takes like between 60 and 70 percent of our energy that we have digesting food. And if we're not doing that, we're able to divert our energy to healing, to growing new tissue, and to our brain. So we can actually focus better. And a lot of people who deal with brain fog or anxiety, this is very helpful for them. I found it to be extremely helpful for really good performance and really and emotional balance too. I found it to be yes. really, really good for it. I just feel so much more balanced and stable. I don't react to stress you know, as much when I'm consistently incorporating fasting into my lifestyle. So, so true. So true. Yeah, it's, it's so powerful. And, and it's so funny because I, I studied naturopathic medicine in school and it fasting has been a therapy for thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of years in naturopathic medicine. And it only now has it become a little popular um, for mainstream people. But it's something that we've been taught and yeah. we've been using for, for thousands of years. Yeah, exactly. That's why I start every interview and I, I let the listeners know that fasting is really the most ancient, inexpensive, obviously it doesn't cost you anything. And in my opinion, the most powerful healing strategy known to mankind, right? And so, but we now we have to like relearn it. You know, they say the illiterate in the 21st century are not those who can't read and write. Most people can. And, you know, obviously if you're in a first world country, you probably can, you wouldn't even be listening to this. But instead it's, those people who can't learn something realize that it's no longer serving you or benefiting you and then choose to actually relearn new strategies. And fasting is something that all humans have had to do throughout the course of mankind up until really our generation, because we just have food everywhere. I mean, I could, you know, I, I don't even need to go to the grocery store. I could, I have like a week's worth of food. I could literally eat all day long. My family could in our house. Right. We have to actually tell ourselves, I have to like, we have to be intentional about not eating. And that's really new when it comes to mankind. It's a great place to be. It's great to have all this food, but you know, we need to learn these kind of health and healing strategies. And so let's talk about precautions and preparation steps that you recommend for people, particularly women, before they begin a fast. Yeah. So, you know, like, like we kind of touched on earlier, like preparing your body with, with shifting the way that you eat. Um, preparing by shifting away from, well, of course, the processed packaged foods. You want to shift away to a more whole foods diet. And that's where you're going to start. If you're someone who isn't there yet, don't go into fasting yet. Start with uh, eating whole real foods. Shift over to a higher fat, lower carb diet because that's going to make it easier for you because glucose is only, you burn it and then you have to replace it. Where fat, you have tons of fat on your body, so your body can actually sustain uh, for much longer if you're a fat burner. So that you have to switch over to that process, and then there can be a little bit of a, uh, a period where you may not feel as alert, you may have a headache, you may feel a little sick. So if, I'd rather you do that while you're actually eating food, eating yeah. a, a higher fat, low carb diet. I'd rather you have that kind of that you have the keto flu, that kind of symptoms while you're eating than while you're fasting and you think there's something wrong and you're going to die. Um, so I like for people to go for more of a ketogenic style diet first, if possible. Um, if not, you can jump right into fasting. I had one client who just, she's like, can I just jump into fasting? Her blood sugar was 287 for the longest time. Her doctor was really wanting to put her on medication for diabetes. 
disease. And so we're like, no, go ahead. You can just start fasting. So she just did. She was very determined, very um, alert, aware of what she was doing. And she did, uh, first she started with a three-day fast. And then the next week she did a five-day fast. And she lowered her blood sugar to one, it was like 104. And it was stable for a really long time. And so, you know, she didn't she didn't want to prolong the period. She wants to get results right away. That is possible, but you have to be the kind of person that will just stick in and stick with it and, and know that you might have some times where you might need to rest. So I like to, if you're preparing, try not to do your first fast when you have a super busy week, when you're under a deadline, um, when people are going to be, you know, having to take your kids to 20 different places. Try to make it a not so stressful week. Um, try to make it a time when you can actually get a lot more rest. Maybe you can do some reading, some meditation. You can go out in the sunshine. You're going to do things that are more restorative that week. That's going to put you in a better position to succeed than if you you have to stay up late to get you know a project done and you've got to get up early to get your kids to school and you're just running. And uh, that's not the best situation. But it is good if you're staying busy. So if you're staying busy but with low stress. That's going to be your best scenario. Um, make sure you're drinking a lot of water is really important. And if you're intermittent fasting, really making sure you're getting high quality food in when you are eating. Because, you know, we talked a lot about the not eating part, but the eating part is important too. Like what you're yeah. eating when you are eating um, should be like high nutrient density. You should have a good amount of fat to sustain you through those periods of fasting and, and moderate protein. You don't need I think protein is overrated. We have so much protein. People think that we need to have giant steaks and giant um, pieces of protein, but you just need moderate protein because your body is going to be using fat for fuel. Um, so I think that's important as well. Um, making sure that when you're eating, you're eating healthy, whole, nutrient-dense foods, whether it be before yeah. a block fast or during an intermittent fast. Yeah, those are really great, great tips. You got to make sure you're getting all your micronutrients in. So you want the trace mineral rich foods, nutrient dense foods. Um, let's talk about a, a block fast or an extended, let's say extended water fast. Um, how, what are some, some of the best ways to break that? Let's, you know, you've done five day water fasts. When you came off the fast, did you just go and eat like, like a big steak? <laughs> the first time I did, the first time I just went and I, I started eating, like, I just wanted to eat so bad, so I was just eating, like, my kids' goldfish, <laughs> I was, like, eating, like, bad yeah. stuff, um, and, you know, because I felt like, oh, you know, I deserve that, because I fasted mm. as long, so I could eat anything, Right. Uh, that did not work, I was in the bathroom for a very long time, <laughs> not feeling good at all, because you kind of, you, your body just doesn't have all your enzymes ready, like, yeah. your body is just not ready for food because you've kind of trained it that it's not getting food. So you really have to ease in with very small bits. I like to start with bone broth. Um, if you're not vegetarian, bone broth is probably the best thing to start with. Yeah. And if you are vegetarian, you can do vegetable broth. Yes, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Like vegetable yeah. broth is good. Um, and it, you can alternate between the two either way. Sometimes mm -hmm. I like to have some vegetable broth and some bone broth. Um, I like to start with that first um, and then I might do a very little bit of steamed vegetables um, in the evening that day. It depends on how I feel. Sometimes I'll just stick with the bone broth. And then over the next few days, I'll just gradually add in um, more vegetables, um, steam, so I don't have to break them down as much. I might add in a little bit of like juicy fruit, like um, like watermelon or, or fruits that have a lot of water in them. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I don't if I'm going back into a keto 
um, situation. So sometimes I'll come off a fast and then eat ketogenically for a couple of weeks before I incorporate back into my regular normal pattern of eating just whole real food. Um, but if I'm not doing that, I'll do some fruit as well. Um, and then over the next few days, I'll just gradually build up to where now I'm eating some proteins and some more variety of food, but it has to be really slow and gradual and just kind of yeah. listen to your body. Um, you know, also using some sea salt, um, Himalayan sea salt is helpful to kind of bring back your electrolyte balance as well. So I like to do that as well. Um, some people say you need to do it during fasting, but I actually don't think it's necessary to um, add salts during a fast. Your body actually has everything it needs. Yeah, yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. And I typically recommend like at least a two to one ratio of like if for every two days fasting, you wanna give yourself one recovery day where by recovery, I mean like you're not trying to eat like a big steak or something like that. You know, um, foods that, that are harder on the digestive tract, like really thick meats. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to give your body time because the digestive system, like you said, is supposed to shut down. So you're not producing stomach acid, bile, pancreatic enzymes. You got to you got to teach it to do it. And and you're right, like it, it's a great time to to bring in fruit or enzyme rich foods. Yeah. Um, you know, steamed vegetables, particularly like cruciferous vegetables, because those can be really tough on the digestive system. The hard outer cellulose can be tough to break down. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to do raw, you know, you might maybe salads, things like that, like salad greens uh, can be really good. Some people are really big advocates, Dr. Ed Group, real big advocate of doing a lot of raw foods when you first come back, right? Yeah, yeah they're very enzyme rich. Um, yeah. I just find sometimes some people do have trouble breaking down. Absolutely. The raw Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm somebody that, hey, cruciferous vegetables, if they're not steamed, I'm going to get, you know, my, my system's not going to agree with those, right? So if you do raw, you know, things like cucumbers are good and celery and uh, green leafy vegetables and stuff like that. So adding that in, some fermented foods, are you, are you big on like yeah. or pickles? And yeah, I like to adding um, a little bit of fermented food. So I like, yeah. even if you don't, I have a lot of clients that don't like the taste of sauerkraut or yeah. fermented so I just have them do a teaspoon of the juice and the jar of sauerkraut with every meal. And so yeah. that is actually all you need to really start bringing back some probiotics into your system. Yeah. And then also using some digestive enzymes when you do eat yeah. can be helpful as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of digestive enzymes. It's not a meal that goes by where I'm not taking them. It helps support my system. You know, it just takes yeah. stress off your gut. Anytime we can do that, it's always going to be helpful. Um, you know, one thing I'll, I'll oftentimes do is, uh, like I, I just did a four day fast and it was like, I was going to do fifth day, but I just felt so good. Like I, I felt like I needed to work out. So like I lifted weights and then I broke the fast with a protein shake later in the day. Right. And that actually was really easy on my system. Right. Cause it was a blender had already done the digestion. That's really interesting. I never actually thought about doing that, but now when you see that, yeah, it's like pre-digested protein. Yeah. So that, I don't mean, I'll try that on my next fast and see how it yeah, works. I felt, I felt good. I felt like I recovered really, really well. Felt amazing. You know, still feel amazing. This was two weeks ago when I finished it. So I uh, still feel really, really good from that. So, uh, you know, that's one of the benefits of fasting. You get the autophagy and the growth hormone release and all the cellular cleanup. And it can last, I mean, you know, typically several weeks, if not a, uh, if not a month, where you just feel this higher level of energy, brain function, mental clarity. Um, when you do it right, you break it right, like you've been talking about. Yeah, it's so important. I love the way you said you were going to do a five-day fast, but you decided to do a four-day fast. Because that, I think that's really important, like listening to your body. And just yeah. because you 
you said you were going to go five days. It doesn't mean you have to force yourself to do five right. days. Like, be happy and be, like, in tune with what your body needs. If you are ready to work out and you're ready to nourish your body, that is exactly what you needed at that point in time. Yeah, it was just, you know, and that's a big thing I'm a fan of is just being intuitive, right? You want to push your system, you know, you want to try new things, right? And implement some of these strategies that uh, that our ancestors did. But at the same time, just like you said, just being intuitive and kind of yeah. listening to the message of your body is key. Um, and so this has been a great interview, Michelle. We really covered a lot of incredible information. And I think this has been extremely helpful for the women, especially the younger women out there that may be menstruating now knowing you know, some good strategies and how to implement, how to get started with fasting, when to do it. So, uh, so I'm, I'm so thankful for, for you coming on and sharing your wisdom and what kind of final words of inspiration do you have for our listeners and where can people find out more about you? Yeah. So, um, one thing that when I was telling you guys a story about my track coach, one thing that she said to me, it still stays true to me this, these days. And what she said was your body can do anything you want it to do. All you need to do is feed it, train it and believe in it. And I think that that applies across the board to whatever you're working on right now is your body can really do anything you want it to do. And if you give it the nourishment it needs, you give it the movement that it craves, and then you believe in your body and what it can do. Yeah, I love that. Love it. And you've got some great programs. People can find you at what, Metabolic Mama? Yeah, so right? you can find me at metabolicmama.com or glownaturalmedicine.com. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks so much. And just just to uh, reiterate what you were saying, you know, for all the listeners out there, your body has this incredible dormant healing potential. So no matter what you're struggling with, you know, if you're struggling with chronic health issues because the, the healing power within you, it's lying dormant. It's not it's not fully active. It's trying to be the best it can, but it's being suppressed. And fasting has the ability to unlock that dormant healing potential. It is safe, it's powerful, and it just might transform your life. So hopefully you got value out of today's interview. And, you know, if you're getting value out of these interviews, I'd, I'd really like to encourage you to consider owning the entire Fasting Transformation Summit for yourself. That way you get lifetime access to these interviews. These are especially helpful to be listening to when you're trying to start a fast because they can help encourage you, support you, give you hope, um, and just give you inspiration to be able to carry it out, implement these, these strategies into your lifestyle. So if you consider owning it for yourself, that way you get the transcripts, you get the interviews, all the bonuses. Um, I think it'll add incredible value to your library and we would be honored if you took this home and kept it for yourself. So consider that and we'll see you on a future interview. Be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.